I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Rings from XDP. Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. I'm Corey Willis with PPI. I'm Drew with DJ Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. Diesel Power Podcast. And you're listening to the Diesel Power Podcast. The one and only Diesel Power Podcast. We're excited today to do shop talk with Leadfoot Diesel, so we're joined by Vinny, the man, the myth, the legend, Himes. Glad to have you on, man. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> How you been? Oh, busy. We're always busy. Never slows down around here. Tax time's coming up, so... That's right. You know, those performance builds and stuff that were on hold are now getting ready to go. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and Donald <laughs> Trump's president, so everything's great. <laughs> I've known you for a while, and you know, that, uh, you know you've been in, this, been in this industry quite you know, a long time, and a lot of people know you, but for those who, who may not you know, know Vinny... If you could tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into diesel trucks, got into the business. and Yeah, pretty much started at a young age for me. I worked on a cattle ranch in Montana when I was eight, nine years old. And first truck I ever drove was an old OBS Ford with a five-speed manual. I mean, you couldn't even reach the pedals. But I knew first time I ever drove that thing, I just the smell when you fired up in the morning, the rattle and the torque, and I knew I was going to own one. And I saved up every penny I had pounding posts, digging ditches, shoveling snow, whatever I could get into to make a $5 bill. I saved and saved. When I was 16, I bought a 99 Super Duty. And I thought it was great. You know, I didn't think it would get any better. And then I got a, I think back then the big hot thing was like the Diablo Sport Puck. You know, and I got that from a four-wheel drive store in Bozeman, Montana. Threw it on there, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, there's not a... <laughs> portion of the state of montana that could touch this thing you know just that instant 100 horsepower you pick up and you never forget about that and had a pile of them seven threes that i pretty much did the same on all of them you know just a power box and intake and exhaust and it was pretty archaic back then but it worked and then i got a 03 cummins that i bought brand spanking new from dave smith motors it was like a a bastard truck they couldn't sell this thing so they threw a lift and wheels and tires on it so it looked good and they did like an afe intake and an mbrp exhaust and like a bully dog triple pup back then and i bought the truck with all that on it and i was changing power levels one day and it locked up the ecm and so i kind of there's not a lot of diesel shops in montana there's definitely nothing performance you know other than your typical intake exhaust kind of deal so I started doing a bunch of research to figure out what was the best tuner, and I ended up getting an edge juice with attitude and put that on myself in the driveway, and I was like, well, this ain't that bad, you know. And, and then a couple of years later, I got bad tank of fuel. The injectors went out, and I was on Cummins form at that point, just kind of getting my feet wet, learning, reading, not really posting a whole bunch. And I got hooked up with Brady Williams from Industrial Injection, and you know, he's such a good guy. We miss him like crazy, but he really took me under his wing. You know, I called him with a bunch of stupid questions, a bunch of BS that I read online, and he really set it straight for me. He's like, look, he's like, stop reading on the forums. This is how a diesel fuel system works. This is how a turbo works. And I really got just interested in it. I built log homes for a living, so I needed some kind of a a hobby, something to spend all my money on. I was making so much yeah. cash back then. The economy was good. We're building $5 million homes and you know, I had a lot of money, and I was young. And, you know, with Brady's help and a lot of research and 
and figuring stuff out the hard way. I blew some stuff up. I broke some things. And, you know, it, my big thing was not power or performance. It was there was one mountain pass that I couldn't get over in Montana without shifting down to third gear and putting over the top, and I just wanted to conquer that hill. <laughs> and, you know, Brady would be like, oh, well, try these injectors. You know, we just started honing these things a little different, and he'd send me a set for free, and I'd put them in. I'd be like, man, these things are smoky and hot. EGTs are through the roof. And tuning was so crappy back then. There was no such thing as tuning. All you could buy yeah. is these timing boxes and pressure. And, you know, just they were very simple. And thank God I had a Cummins because, you know, knowing what I know now on, you know, the V8-style engines where – they respond to aftermarket injectors a lot more like a gas vehicle. Like, you got to tune the air and the fuel, and it's got to match, or you're cracking pistons, bending rods and such. Where a Cummins is pretty forgiving, you know. Throw fuel at it, throw air at it, throw an edge juice <laughs> attitude on it, it'll run. And uh, I, the day that I got into this, where I kind of decided, like, man, I might rather do this than building log homes, as good as the money was, I was pulling out of a gas station, and there was a 05 Dodge piping down the road. It had stacks on it. I just had a regular tailpipe. And I pulled out thinking he was going slower than he was. It was kind of like downtown Spokane, four lanes wide. And I look in my rear view, and this dude's on my ass. And I'm like, dang. So I just slapped third and punched it, and the truck went sideways. And I grabbed fourth, and it went the other way. And I grabbed fifth, and it was still blowing the tires off. And that dude followed me all the way back to Post Falls in my house. And I was like, oh, God, this guy's going to beat my ass for smoking <laughs> out, you know. So I'm sitting there, like, acting like I'm on the cell phone, talking to myself. And this dude's just parked behind my truck in my cul-de-sac. I'm like, oh, God, I guess i got to face my own music. So I jump out, and the dude comes up, shakes my hand, big old shit-eating grin on his face, you know. And he's like, what do you got done to that truck, man? I'm like, uh, you know, some stuff, <laughs> tuner, injectors, big-ass big turbo. And he's like, what compounds you running? I'm not, man. It's just a single turbo. And bull crap, pop the hood. So I popped the hood. I was just running a big single Silver 66 back then because everybody had compounds. All the guys on Cummins Forum had compounds. The hot thing then was stock turbo over an S475. And, you know, it just, they make 450 horsepower. They weren't that impressive, but they towed good. Well, turns out this guy is Jason Burton. And for anybody that doesn't know Jason Burton, he's not a real... He's not a loud mouth. He's not out in the spotlight, but he is the originator of compound turbos on the Cummins back in the day. As far as mass marketing, I'm not saying he's the first guy to do it, but he was the guy that was welding up all the piping, fabricating the kits for industrial injections. So in the late 90s, early 2000s, if you bought compounds from industrial, Jason was the guy that built the kit. We got to be good friends, and he invited me over to his dyno event that he has every year called Diesel Thunder. And we put the truck on the dyno, and my truck made like 713 horsepower with an edge stacked with a Smarty, and his compound turbo dual-fueler truck made like 650, and I was hooked. I mean, there's nothing else I wanted to do beyond that day. It's always funny how we remember that first big number. <laughs> like, shoot, your first year, though. You know, like, I had no expectation, so when it made 713, I was like, is that good? Like, I was looking around, you know, and everybody's freaking out. I'm like, oh, what something on fire like what's the big deal <laughs> you know but it was 2004 and i had a 2003 truck like that just wasn't wasn't something that was really big back then and so i guess you know it didn't give me a big head i wasn't cocky about it i was proud of it you know i built the thing in my driveway in the middle of winter 
with a tarp hanging off the hood. I mean, we dropped the head studs in one at a time because we didn't have a machine shop. I mean, we were doing everything wrong, and it worked out so right. And I think that's what I always remember about that truck. You know, being in a shop environment now, you got to do things right. You can't. You may know that some of these backyard tricks work, but you got to do what's right for the customer. You got to pop the head off. Got to deck it. You know, polish it. Do everything the way you know it needs to be done to industry standards. But at the end of the day, knowing in the back of my mind that that thing was just havoced and cobbled and put together with bubble gum, and it made good power for the time. You know, a thousand horsepower back then wasn't even something people were talking about. And within a couple of years, my truck was old school, like 700. Who cares? You know, everybody everybody's <laughs> making a thousand nowadays. But that's pretty much what got me into this. And you know, I I gave up a really good career in woodworking where you know I could have made a half a million dollars a year for the rest of my life. But your body takes a beating and. Everything kind of happens for a reason. I broke my back when I was 25, and it got me into the diesel industry, and I wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. What's interesting about you know like building the truck, you know yourself as an enthusiast, and then now, you know like at Leadfoot Diesel, you guys are known everywhere and do some really cool things in the industry and, and with builds and gosh photography and just tons of different stuff. Is now you can see the other side of it. And you know what if you could go back to like the the enthusiast Vinny that just got that 03 and give him some pointers to save some money. What would you tell him? I mean the biggest thing, the worst lesson I ever learned, you know, doing stuff myself and and getting my feet wet in this is buying cheap parts. You know, it just there's parts that I bought five times trying to save money that mm-hmm. I could have bought one good part, like clutches, for instance. There's a million clutch manufacturers in this world, and there's seven or eight that offer diesel clutches, you know, and I'm not going to bash on any names, but I tried a bunch of them before I finally got a hold of Peter at South Bend. <clears throat> and I, I rank, I think there's a lot of legends in the diesel industry in my mind. You know, I've been, yeah. I've been messing around with this stuff for 12 years, almost half my life, and... There's some legends. There's some guys that I really look up to, you know, like Dennis Perry. I mean, dude cracks me up. He's such a riot. Like, he just does not give a crap what anybody thinks about him, and I admire that. You know, I'm I'm the same way. I don't care when I walk into a room if I see people snickering and looking over their shoulders at me. It doesn't bother me. You know, and Dennis is like that. Peter from South Bend is just like that. You know, they don't care what anybody thinks about them. They have developed a wonderful product. They've put together a rock star team of employees and, you know, Peter, Dennis, Brady from Industrial, uh, Ron at Suncoast. Like, there's just so many good people in this industry. Clint at ATS. I really admire those guys because when I was the snot-nosed 20-year-old kid trying to build a truck in my driveway, those are the big-name guys that took the time to answer all my stupid questions. And, you know, it's, things change. People get older. They don't have time for that. A lot of those guys are trying to retire now. You know, and you got to... As a consumer, as an enthusiast, you've got to reach out and find the people that are still willing to take the time. And, and all those legends, those guys that I looked up to, they've done a great job of teaching their replacements, you know, finding guys to do what they did, finding guys to give them the reputation that I fell in love with and want to support. So don't waste your money buying cheap crap. You know, if you've got to buy the most expensive clutch to get the best tech support, that's why their prices are high, you know, and I've learned that very quickly. You know, the cheap eBay clutch that I could get for 500 bucks that blew up in two months, when I called back for 
you know, trying to figure out how to install it because it didn't come with good instructions, nobody could answer my questions. When I installed my first South Bend and screwed it up, Peter said, send me the clutch back, I'll fix it. And when he got the clutch back, he's like, hey, you know, dumbass, you rattled these pressure plate bolts on with an impact. I'm like, yeah, what are you supposed to do? There ain't no instructions. And so, I mean, Peter taught me one of the best lessons ever about how to install a South Bend clutch. And, I mean, that that put a lot of people on my doorstep when, you know, we were first starting out with a small shop in Post Falls, Idaho, is Peter would tell everybody, you know, take your truck to Vinny. He knows how to install these things. And that's awesome. You know, Brady from Industrial, people were putting common rail injectors in wrong because there's no real good procedure instruction back then. And so we figured out a way to do it without, you know, getting the connecting tubes to line up. And that's the stuff that's valuable. That's what you pay extra for is that knowledge, that willingness to help. Don't look for a cheap guy because a cheap guy's not going to take care of you. What's that saying? I used to see it on the forums all the time. You can have fast, cheap, and reliable and pick two out of the three or something. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the damn truth. <laughs> I don't think fast and reliable are ever going to go hand in hand, you know, yeah. quick and reliable maybe. I, I think the magic number that I've found dealing with so many thousands of trucks over the years, 550 horsepower. Like you give any customer the keys to any truck that puts down 550 at the rear tires, they are going to love that truck. You can go for a ride with them when you finish the work and just watch them grin from ear to ear. And then you can build that 650 horsepower truck for the same customer. You know, they bring it, they drive it for a year or so at 550, and they love it. And then they get used to the power, and they bring it back, and they want more. You give them the keys back at 650, they get the same grin. It doesn't last as long. And then nope. a few months later, there's carnage, and now they're mad at you. So <laughs> I think educating the customer is what I I pride myself in the most. Not that I'm some amazing teacher but i've blown up a lot of shit so you know i can kind of tell people from experience hey you know i did this this and that and it worked like this well what about that um yeah i did that too and i broke a lot of axles i broke a lot of drive lines i blew up a lot of transfer cases so i mean the experience goes a long ways and there's so many great shops in this industry i really like a trend that i'm starting to see here recently where shops are collaborating and i think that's just the way the industry should work you know for so long it's been cutthroat and so and so talking bad about so and so to try and get some work i've seen how the customers absorb that negativity and people come in here all the time you know we've got a lot of diesel shops around here and a lot of them take have taken that tactic of bad mouthing other shops to try and get recognition or trying to steal customers from them and the customers come right back to us, and they're like, man, so-and-so is talking mad crap about you guys, so I had to come and see what it was all about, which is uplifting in one standpoint, but how many customers don't see that? You know, How many customers don't yeah. recognize that, and they just you know, absorb what they're being told is truth? I just think that there's so many diesel trucks in this country running around. There's so much work. I mean, we can't keep up. We run 70, 80 trucks a week through this shop, and there's still 40 of them sitting out back on Friday when we leave. So, I mean, it's not like we're dying for work you know i think shops working together is is very cool and i'm seeing it on facebook now you know there's a couple of groups where diesel shop owners get together and they can bounce ideas off each other ask for help i mean good to god we don't all know everything but all all of us are good at one thing better than another and so when you take 50 
60, 100 experienced people, and each one of those people is really good at one thing, now everybody's learning together and everybody's doing a great job together. And it's not about who knows what or who's better than who. It's how do we, as business owners and business managers, take the best possible care of our customer. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. I mean, if you can't take care of your customer, you shouldn't be in business. Exactly, and it's it, it's come up before, you know, in different, like in the racing side, and I think even Dennis chatted with us about it as well, is trying to bring new people in to owning diesels, to wanting to, to do stuff with them, because there's a ton of them out there, but they're still not mainstream. They're not mainstream like unleaded, you know, and and trying to bring that those new people in, because you, know, you could have a horrible experience with a diesel truck. Like, you buy something, you don't know much about it, you spend three grand on injectors, then the tranny goes out, and you're five or six grand into it, and then you sell it off, and you're like, I'm never driving another diesel again. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, we've all been there, you know, and it's, for me, I mean, it's just, it's not an option. When, once I, you know, 16 years old and putting a tuner on a 7.3, once I felt that torque and that horsepower, you go drive an F-150, man, it doesn't matter if it's got a supercharger on it. It's just nothing <laughs> matches up to the torque that a diesel puts out. And it's a whole experience. It's the sound, the smell, the, just the way the truck rides, you know. It's like I think a lot of these young kids that we get here at the shop, they're just so in love with their truck because, you know, it was Grandpa's truck and they got it. It was Dad's truck and it was handed down. And they'll put the money into it to keep it on the road because it's their pride and joy. I mean, I know that's how I started out, you know, just working at a ranch. And I was so proud to haul a load of cows to town in that big old 7.3, and I felt like I was a truck driver, you know. Yeah. But <clears throat> I, I think getting new people into the industry is just teaching people respect, you know. Um, there's so many of these Facebook pages where I see guys just talking smack to each other and making fun of each other, and that's, not helping anybody out it's not making you look cool i mean i don't get on there and see somebody ragging on some kid with a 7.3 you know he posts up oh i think my truck's making 500 and you know you got the i always called them the box adder uppers you know they look at the box and it's like oh yeah this thing gets you 45 horsepower this one gets you 25 and that's an innocent enough mistake it's bad marketing you know don't make fun of the kid for it he just read the box but be helpful you know and that's what i look to do but there's so much negativity online in the consumer side, you know, not even the diesel shop owners or the diesel mechanic side, I just don't see why everybody's got to make fun of people. Like, we can take time and educate people and explain things. I mean, every now and then you run into that rock that you just can't teach a rock, so you let them go, but somebody's going to take care of them. One of the coolest things, you know, as far as owning one that I've always thought about is it's, it's rebellious in a sense. That's right. Because it's not... You'll see them around, you know, you know, just driving, you'll come up against, you know, someone with Cummins or Duramax power stroke, but 90% of the vehicles are gas. And it's that rebellious side of, you know, I'm different. And then your experience you talked about with the sound and the smell and the torque and what you can do to them. And it doesn't even really matter. You know, the brand doesn't matter, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's uh, No, absolutely not. And <clears throat> that's something, too, that I try to hit. I get to ask that question every day. You know, I, I've got a 1,000 horsepower coming, sitting out back behind the shop. I built it from the ground up by myself. I've got a pretty much stock 6.0 that I drive every day and haul tractors with. And, you know, it's just everybody asks me, well, what kind of truck would you buy? You know, what's your favorite truck? 
I mean, there's no answer to that. Like, why would I buy anything based off someone else's opinion? And I tell the customer, go put your ass in every single one of them. Whichever one your butt fits in the best, buy that truck, and I'll tell you what problems you're going to have with it, you know, <laughs> and how we can fix those problems. Because let's face it, they're all junk. You know, they're not designed yeah. to last forever. They're designed so that the auto manufacturers can sell parts. So yeah. that's what I love about the diesel aftermarket is there's so much innovation going on, and it's, freaking cool you know i mean bulletproof diesel i love their product line i love the way that they go about fixing and solving problems there's a lot of great companies doing great things to try and make these trucks last um, fast fuel systems is probably one of my favorite products to sell because you can't go wrong with it it is something that every diesel truck needs and that's something that you know is it's fun to teach a customer about because it's like, look, you're conditioning the fuel, you're, you're helping injectors, you're helping injection pumps. And I guess I've never been in the gas world. That stuff may go on in the gas world too. But in the diesel world, I just like seeing the new trucks hit the market and just chewing on my fingernails waiting to see what problems that truck's going to have and how can we fix it and, you know, who's going to come up with it first. I mean, yeah, you got the guys like Sinister Diesel that copy everybody else's parts, and that's aggravating very very frustrating especially when you got a good guy like guys at irate diesel and they're figuring the stuff out but they don't have the money to maybe throw a patent on it or take the time you know they figured it out to help a customer and then somebody else comes along and steals your idea copies it to a t and starts slinging it like crazy that's frustrating i don't i don't know how to stop that you know none of us most of us are simple shop owners simple guys you know we we got a little fab shop in the back, and we're trying to figure out how to make things better. We don't have the time, the patience, or the money to go out and get a patent on all these things. And I think that's something, again, where diesel shops should be collaborating instead of trying to cut each other's throats and steal work from each other. If we all collaborated and took the time to point people in the right direction, say, hey, yeah, you can buy that from this company for X amount of dollars, but it's a cheap Chinese knockoff, or you can buy it from the dude that's making out of American-made steel over here for – 50 bucks more, and that guy's going to be able to support it better because he designed it and he knows how it works. He knows why he did what he did. These people just copied it. And the only way we're going to fix that rhetoric or, or turn that around is if we all work together. Very true. I think the, the tide is, is turning, you know, towards that as well. I think just in industry and business in general is buy American, support American companies, which is great. And it's yeah. overdue to see it, to see it happen. Um, but he is. I wanted you to chat with us and our listeners more about Leadfoot Diesel because you guys do some badass shit. And so I want to know what are some of the you know things you guys work on, some some projects that uh, maybe you guys have already done or you're starting that that people should you know go on your Facebook page and like. You guys got almost two hundred thousand fans on Facebook, and that's no joke. So let's get you over two hundred and get you two fifty. Yeah, <laughs> that's the trick. Don't be scared. You know, weird weird things come through our door and you know we've lost our ass on some of these jobs some of these projects or it's like you know we had a customer come in with a s10 just a piece of crap truck a 91 model not even a cool truck brought in an s10 uh s10 chevy and wanted to put a 4bt cummins in it so you know the guy wanted to quote told him i was like you can't quote that job it's never been done before and if it has they didn't document the hours they didn't document what parts had to be fabricated so you just, what I do is I just give them a big scary number, and if they say go for it, at least we don't lose a whole bunch of money on it. 
and then those projects usually grow and evolve. Like that one, you know, we dropped the 4VT Cummins in it. We built the adapter plate. We built the motor mounts. We fixed, figured out all the brake lines and fuel lines and all the crap you're wiring, everything you run into to make this thing run, and then it's there and it's running, and then you pull the jack stands out from under the front end and the front bumper hits the ground. It's like, crap, <laughs> this isn't going to work. I mean, we put stiffer springs in it and everything, but it was an ISF front suspension, so you can only do so much with the springs. We ended up buying a 72 Bronco, yanked the axles out from under that thing. We did a disc brake conversion on it and threw those axles under it, built a totally custom in-house four-link suspension like a monster truck. I mean, the thing's riding on coal springs front and rear because the guy wanted to feed cows with it. That's what he wanted. He wanted a smaller truck that fit through the gates better <clears throat> and something that the cows could come up and bang into, and it wasn't a – I mean, when he came in here, at had a 15 Platinum. So, obviously, he doesn't want to feed cows in that. Well, once we got these axles and all the suspension done, we paint everything so we don't want it to rust. So, we painted the axles with gloss black, painted all the control arms and everything. Coal springs were bright blue. But you got this faded out, no clear coat left, rusty old S10. And when the guy came to pick it up, he's like, man, that's beautiful, other than the truck. So then it was it turned into a full cab off restoration, all new carpet, new seats, new door panels, new dash, new radio. I mean, we basically built an S10 Blazer part by part from the ground up, and not one piece was reused. And, I mean, it was an $85,000 build, but you can't put a price on it. I mean, you can't, you can't quote a job like that. So we just went into it unafraid and knew what the job was and we got it done and it turned into a great project that got us a lot of publicity i mean it just we don't do any marketing we don't do any magazine ads we don't you know we're not on the radio we're not on tv it's just you build cool crap and you post it online and people like it and look at it and share it and then you know your brand grows and that's just our that's our shot at marketing i guess you know we build sled pulling trucks that's what we're known for um, my boss has been a very competitive sled puller for 10, 12 years now. And, I mean, he'll build a truck, and once it's undefeated and nobody can touch it, he's done with it. He wants to start over and try something new. So a lot of our sled trucks are, are bastard children. You know, it's that truck that you can't make power with. It's a 6-liter power stroke or a 6.4. They'll never live. They crack pistons. We don't start with what's easy and what's been done over and over and over again. We just want to break the mold and do something that, Everybody laughs at when you show up, and then yeah. <laughs> they got a, their own words when you drug it through the fence at the end of the track that nobody else could get close to. And I think that attitude is what what has helped us grow. You know, we've grown a lot in the last four years. You know, four years ago we were in a two-bay shop that you could only fit maybe seven or eight trucks in at once, and the phone rang seven or eight times a day, and now we're getting 250 to 400 phone calls a day, and 70, 80 trucks a week roll through here, and that's the only thing I can attribute it to because it's just what sets us apart. You know, we're not we're not only building Cummins. We don't only work on Duramax. We don't only work on Fords. We work on anything that runs on rotten dinosaur bones, and, you know, you want us to build a DT-466 that makes 1,200 horsepower, we're game. You want 2,200 horsepower, we're going to shoot for it. <laughs> that's the, uh, yeah, that's when I think of Leadfoot Diesel, that's what I think of is just, Anything you want, you can get it. And it, it's rare because a lot of times it's like, I'm sure you know way better than, than I do. You know, when that blazer came through, 
who even knows how many man hours we're going to actually go into it. Oh, yeah. But you guys tackled it. And probably tons of things popped up that there's, like, there's no manual or no one to call or ask, hey, how do we make this work? And you got to figure it out, you know? Yeah, no, it's a... Uh... We did run into a lot of that, you know, trying to get the brakes. You know, we converted all over to disc brakes and trying to get the brake booster to work and custom bending all the lines. And, I mean, you're right. There's no one you can call. You know, we bought a 2012 King Ranch, uh, what was it, two years ago. So it had been 2000, into 2014. It was a flood truck. You know, we bought it cheap. I mean, we, we bought it in Florida, sight unseen. Some guy drove it into a swamp. Paid seventy four hundred bucks for the truck. Get it up here, pop the hood. I mean, as funny as it sounds, there was literally a tree frog sitting on top of the turbo. Like we were dying laughing. <laughs> you know, the, the cab lights had water in them, and we tore that thing down, completely rebuilt it, replaced all the modules on it, and turned it into a dedicated sled pulling truck. You know, there's nobody in the country to this day that I know of besides us that has a dedicated two five six seven power stroke sled pulling truck like you can't even drive this thing on the street solid suspension i mean it's loads on the trailer it goes 330 feet 370 feet depending on the track and then we load it back on the trailer so there's definitely a lot of challenges to those kind of projects yeah you you go out on the track and you got egg on your face a couple times because you don't know what's going to happen you know you can do a test hit in front of the shop but i don't know about you i don't have a 60,000 pound sled in my backyard that i can hook up to so a lot of times we're locking the air brakes on the dump truck behind the shop trying to drag it down the dirt road and see if what we did works. And You know, it's, it's frustrating at times because we are doing things that we can't get help on, but I think that's what makes you a better shop and a better person at the end of the day is adapting and overcoming your, your trials and your hurdles. Absolutely, and you guys have awesome pictures. I was looking through them, and it's like the angles are perfect, like the – the six seven sled pulling truck. I'm looking through there and it's like everything the color like she captures it at just the right time. So we're gonna make sure we have some links um, you know on YouTube for that so people can go check out you know the events and and just the like capturing those moments we were talking about earlier when you feel all that torque come yep. off. You know? Yeah, when you can't pull your head off the seat, you know, that's the that's the feeling I want every customer to feel. We don't just do performance, you know, not the bulk of our work is repair. But I love performance, you know, because, face it, I mean, you take your truck into a shop, you know, and the turbo's blown up, and there's oil everywhere, and you just missed a day of work, and then they tell you it's $1,500, you're pissed. Like, you're not happy to go pick your truck up. You are not excited. But when somebody drops off a truck and 10000 bucks and says, make it go as fast as you can make it with $10,000, I cannot wait for that customer to come in. I can't wait to jump in the passenger seat with them and just see the look on their face. I think that's what gets me out of bed pretty much every morning. And I don't feel like I've gone to work a day in my life since I got into this industry. It's just so much fun. That's really cool, man. You got some really awesome insights. And, and I know a lot of the you know, listeners we have, they're shop owners or they're, they're truck guys. And it's really cool to hear your story about going from you know, a truck guy to a career change to being in here so, you know, in it so long and being able to to give back and, and try to build something. I really look forward. I think the thing that I'm here for the most is friends and family. You know, you can't, we can't take these trucks with us. We can't take any of this crap that we acquire through money and, you know, going to work every day and making a dollar. None of that goes with us. But, you know, when we leave this world like Brady, you know, 
what a wonderful guy. I mean, I go to bed every night thinking about him, just thinking about all the laughs with him, having drinks with him. You know, I just that's what we're remembered for when we're gone. So, you know, for all the other shop owners out there, I look forward to being friends with them. I look forward to meeting them, you know, making new friends and Hopefully when I'm dead and gone from this world, everybody will be like, that's a crazy bastard, drank way too much whiskey, but, man, he was fun to be around. <laughs> I thought that exact same thing when you introduced <laughs> me to Gibson's, and I was like, where'd that bottle go? We drank it. Oh, I yeah, felt nectar of the gods. Nectar of the gods. <laughs> yep. Right on, man. We appreciate you joining us today and, and sharing these stories. We'll get you back on later, maybe after race season, and talk about how you guys did and some some uh, some cool new stuff you guys are working on. Absolutely, brother. We look forward to it.